0: We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.
1: Community Radio, Kilkenny City, the voice of the Marble City.
0: Kilkenny Today on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.
2: Hello and good afternoon, you are welcome to Kilkenny today with myself Samantha Ross and we have a busy programme for you lined up. We have Nuala Garrity from Autism Assistance Dogs and she will be talking a little bit about the organisation and what they do and also talking about their uh, collaboration with Woody's uh, Woody's, uh homeware stores that you know about and uh, Woody's uh, sponsor various programs uh, to support them and it's called Woody's Heroes so we'll be talking to Nula a little bit about that and later on we'll be talking to Ruth Marrow who is an advanced respiratory nurse with asthma, the Asthma Society um, and she is talking particularly about keeping children safe, uh, going back to school. August is always the, the month where we talk about going back to school. So she will be talking to us a little bit about that later on. And then later in the show, we'll be talking to Cliff Reed. And Cliff runs both trips on the uh, River Noor and on the River Barrow. So we'll be talking to Cliff a little bit about that. And he is doing that as part of Water Heritage Week. So we'll be talking to Cliff hopefully after half past five this afternoon. So to start off, we have Nuala Geraghty on the line. Good afternoon, Nula. Good afternoon, and thank you for having us. No problem at all. I suppose, first off, I mentioned there in the intro that uh, uh, Woody's have teamed up with you about Woody's Heroes. But before we get to that, can you tell me a little bit about what the organization does? So Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland, can you tell me a little bit about what you do?
3: Yes, so we basically are a national charity training dogs for children with autism. So we train um, assistance dogs and companion dogs for uh, children of different uh, levels of autism. Uh, so we have our own puppy program, um, which is, uh, we have up to 30 puppies on the program who are brought up by volunteers uh, who do all the hard work for us. Um, so they do the house training, the socializing, the, the puppy wears a little jacket and they take the puppy out in about different environments getting them used to different places that they might go as adult dogs um, and they're doing um, they teach them things like recall basic obedience um, and good social behavior as well great and and the temperament of the
2: dogs um you say there that you breed your own dogs but i suppose um not every dog can be an assistance dog and not every dog has the the job skills or or the the skills required that it is a very important job and not every dog can do it so can you tell me a little bit about the temperament um and the 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 nature of the job required and what's required of the dog what what skills he might might need
3: yeah, so we breed some of our own dogs at the moment, but we are growing our breeding program and we also buy in some, some dogs. So we use them mainly Labradors and Golden Retrievers and we cross them as well when we're doing our own breeding to get the best temperament for what we want. So we're looking for a nice, um, well-balanced dog that would be quite tolerant, um, but friendly and obviously good around children and generally overall adaptable to different to change a handler in different environments and things like that as well. So uh, could you use, loosely use the term proof? They would have to be, yeah. Uh, so obviously the, to, to be able to pass um, to become an assistance dog, they have to go through um, um, lots of different training but they basically have to be good in every different environment. Things down as, as things even like um, different floor surfaces when you're going into shops up and down steps um, into lists, um, obviously you get different things that you see around that we would take no, notice to. sort of the kiddies' rides when they're set off. There can be lots of different things that would frighten the dogs or mm-hmm. that they'd be aware of, but so once they've done this from being very young, they tend to be um, used to it then and they um, can cope with it then when they're out and about. Um, obviously things as well like dog distraction, we don't want our dogs to be distracted other dogs out and about or cats or birds so they have to learn how to be able to uh, to walk along uh, with minimum distractions as well but that's all part of the training that goes into them
2: so. Okay and I, so I suppose like any job or any if you're looking for an employee of a job they have to have the Proper skills before you can even think about training. So I suppose that's a that's a, a thing to, to bear in mind because I, I think there is a general uh, misconception out there that the public think that that kind of any dog can be an assistance dog or they could go out and get a dog and, and train it themselves.
3: No, no, yeah, you know, you're right because even like our, our own puppies that we have on the puppy scheme, like. Um half of them wouldn't make it as assistance dogs and mm. then if they don't make assistance dogs they may go as companion dogs then they're dogs that don't they wouldn't, uh, you know, have to have they don't have access to go into public places and things right. like that. but no, definitely it's very it's sort of very specific and a very high standard to be able to before they can qualify as an actual assistance dog Yeah,
2: and that they are working dogs it is is—is a job and, and I suppose they they have a working life
3: yeah, so the, I mean, the, the main the main part of, of the job is to keep the child safe when they're out in public places. So the child wears a belt and they're attached to the dog's jacket. Mm-hmm. The child has a handle that they can hold on to, but the mother or the parent should I say um, holds on to the dog's lead, and right. they can take the dog. Um, they obviously give the dog instructions then. But the main thing is that the dog then, because the child is attached, keeps them safe. The child, a lot of children with autism. Would tend to run um, or have no sense of danger because when they're out in a busy environment, yeah. they would get like sensory overload, and the natural instinct is to to, to maybe to run or to so they see something across the road that they want, mm. so they wouldn't think first to to see what if there was a car coming. So the jogging them is keeps them keeps them safe. So yeah. it also then helps to reduce the mom or the parent's anxiety because they're obviously walking along knowing that their child is attached. Mm. Uh, so something very simple like a trip to your local shop to get a pint of milk can be a very stressful situation for a mother and/or a parent of a child with autism. So having the dog with them then just makes everything run much smoother and yeah. gives uh, so even the, the the parent chance to go to the the till and pay pay the lady without having to to you know to run off out the door after their child because right. the child has gone off.
2: So, so the dog almost acts as an anchor for the child. Yeah, yeah, mm.
3: that would be a good way
2: to Yeah, it. and and it's it takes a long time, um, Nuala, to train these dogs. I mean, so it, it, you're talking about up to two years, isn't it? Yeah, so up to two
3: years. So they spend the first twelve months um, on our puppy scheme. So that's been, as I said earlier, they were brought up by our volunteers. So they go through, like, they have to go through the house training, um, and then they're visited every every sort of roughly every month by our puppy supervisor, who then goes, gives them like extra training to do. Um, so they're, 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 you know they're, they're doing basic training, they're taking them into coffee shop, they're taking them shopping with them, so they're doing a, a lot of things that they would do and see as an adult dog as well. And then after the, the puppy training side, they then come in for, to us for the official training where they will go through another um, 20 weeks of training um, so we would then be teaching them things like stopping for the curbs, mm. teaching them left and right turns. Um, obviously, walking on the lead, a nice loose, relaxed lead, and we're obviously training them to be able to walk past lots of distractions without being without being distracted or um, moving away or putting the child in any sort of danger. And then, obviously, we have to do practice attachment walks with um, children. To make sure that they're used to a child being attached to them and the sort of thing that can happen when the child's attached as well right and that uh, if, like before then like then once they're fully trained then you've obviously we've, we would have assessed families so the dog is then matched to a suitable family so we've looked at the needs of the family mm-hmm. and we've looked at the, the dog and um, and the dog's temperament and what the dog will be capable of is you know is it going to be really good in a, a busy a busy hectic house yeah. um or is it just going to add to the to the hecticness because it's too excitable to be that in that house so You might think want to calm a calmer dog into that house so there's lots of things as well going into the match inside of the yeah. dog before then then the family have to go through um, training for a week before they can take the dog home and then we work with the families then in the home environment doing attachments with the child right um, and, and the dogs are always we always follow up obviously with our dogs and we do regular, Aftercare visits with them, and the dogs are, are uh, released to the family so that we
2: retain ownership of them. Oh, right. So you, so so you keep ownership of the dogs. So so it, yeah. it's it's lent, I suppose, to the family.
3: Yes, yeah, throughout, okay. throughout the working life. Because ah, okay. I suppose one of the reasons is because, like. Come under our own public liability insurance, so when they go into shops and everything, right. like covered Like that way, but also, like if there was the a problem, yeah, um, then it gives us that ability to be able to take the dog back or mm. to work with the family to say, Well, you've got to, you know, this has got to be right before we can, you know, before if the dog is going to carry on. Or the same, it might work, work for a family that it doesn't always work out, they might want to give the dog back as well, um,
2: right?
3: That can happen occasionally.
2: So, so tell me about your collaboration with Woody's, then how have Woody's got involved with you?
3: Yeah, so we've been delighted this year uh, for the second time. Actually, we were chosen last year as one of the four charities. So uh, it's up to the staff to, to choose the charities, um, and we got um, picked again this year. So absolutely delighted to be um, to be chosen again so they the doing an event this year um, to the moon and back. So you can help. You can go. You can uh, donate by going into uh, either one of the Woody stores or logging in. Or, to the to website, woodies.ie slash heroes. Um, so they've got a, a, a target of 250,000 that they're looking to reach and they're not far off it There, I think they've Great. got about another 30,000 to raise before they get there. So they've done fantastically. But that finishes up um, this Sunday, I think. Um, so yeah, we're delighted to be one of the chosen charities. Brilliant. And if, if
2: there's anybody listening, um, Nuala, that was maybe think of fostering a pup for you or, or or being a puppy trainer rather fostering is the wrong term of being a puppy trainer but even I'm thinking at the other end when the dogs are retired do you yeah. do you, um, look for families to take on retired dogs? Not the
3: retired dogs most of the families would keep the dogs right. I they retire most of the dogs would stay with the families but um, we do have dogs from time to time that don't make the grade as well that yeah. we would look for families or
2: uh, like a couple
3: on their own that might take on that's not quite mid grade, but yeah, as well, like you say, we're always looking for, for puppy foster families as well, if anybody's interested in, in fostering um, for
2: the puppy's first year of its life. Yeah, great. And how, if people are interested in that, and, and also if they want to support your campaign with Woody's Heroes, how, how would they get in touch, maybe directly get in touch with Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland? Yeah, so you
3: can contact us for anything to do with puppy foster. Is, um so www.aadi.ie or for the Woodies Heroes it's woodies.ie slash
4: heroes
3: and you can go and log in uh, uh, donate online to them directly or you can go in store
2: and um, donate there as well. Great great so so they've, they're they looking for a target of 250,000 euros they're yeah. nearly there but they're um, they're short a few bob. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anybody who wants to to support it, obviously we have a Woody's here in Kilkenny. So anybody who wants to support it can pop into Woody's. So you're probably buying it in a paint anyway. So, yeah. so is it is it just to kind of put in your change or, or put in a few? Yeah. Buy? So then at the cool. I
3: think you
2: can donate. Let it be cool and go up to pay. Great, yeah. great. Okay. And, and is there any? Uh, are there any other events that you want to promote, Nula Before I let you go.
3: So we've just got, um, at the moment, we've we've just finished one uh, big event, so we've got another one coming up um, in October, so I suppose just keep an eye on our Facebook page and our website for, there should be details of that coming up in September where you can join it, so that will be Walks. I cool. uh, run 50 miles um, in October. Um, so, yeah, there'll be more information
2: coming up on that in September. Great. Okay, well, we look forward to it, and no doubt we will probably talk to you about that as well. So, Brilliant. thank you for your time today, Nuala, and, and best of luck, and, and say hi to all the, the pups and the dogs for me. We will. Thanks very much. <laughs> thank you, Nuala. Take care. And that was Nuala Geraghty there from Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland. Uh, we will be take a break now, and we'll be back after these.
0: We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7
3: FM. How does your garden grow? If you have a gardening problem, or there's an eagling question you have about a plant or a tree, why not contact our horticulturist, Kieran Walsh. Kieran answers your queries every Wednesday evening, just after 6pm on The Country Road, on Community Radio, Kilkenny City. Please send your queries in to us, by texting 086-353-7782, telephoning 56 776277, or you can write to us at Community Radio Kilkenny City, Hebron Road, Kilkenny. Kieran will do his best to answer all queries on the Country Road on 88.7 FM every Wednesday evening from 6pm. Streaming
1: live across the globe on Community communityradiocalkennycity.ie. Text us on 086 353 7782.
2: And if you text us, that'll come directly into studio here. You can also phone us on the main line 056 776277. And as you heard the promo said, we are streaming live and you can check that out on www.corkc. I-E. Now, as you know, August and September have always been one of the riskiest times of the year for people with asthma, especially children. Doctors see a significant spike in hospital visits and admissions of children with asthma as a result of what is known as the September asthma peak. This year, due to COVID-19, children with asthma will require extra protection during their return to school. The Asthma Society of Ireland is today launching the Back to School Checklist as part of its Life Alongside COVID campaign. And on the line, I have Ruth Marrow from the Asthma Society of Ireland. Hello, Ruth. Hi, how are you? I am very well, thank you. So so you have launched this programme today, especially for children. Um, and I suppose in the light of COVID-19, we're all a little bit worried about children going back to school.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there is a lot of anxiety out there about this. Um, so the most important thing, as you rightly said, September time and into October is actually the worst time of the year for people with asthma, children included. So even just to get the basics right is really important. So it's important that, you know, everybody knows how to use their inhaler correctly and you can check your inhaler technique using our videos on our on our website. Um it's also very important that your child actually carries the reliever inhaler with them and make sure that they bring it with them to school. So it's even a good idea even to have their inhaler in maybe a small little lunchbox and let them leave that inhaler in school so that it's there all the time so they're not bringing it home all the time either so because the less things they actually bring home obviously with COVID and that the better Mm -hmm. so just to have it in a lunchbox in school that's fine and things like having an asthma action plan is very useful as well and you can discuss this with your GP you can download one from our website and talk to our um, to your own GP or give us a call on our asthma helpline and we can talk you through it Um, It is very useful to have it because the the asthma action plans actually are great in that there's a green zone, which is what you do when you are well. There's an orange zone then as to to, how to recognize kind of when you're on well and what to do in that situation. And then the red zone then goes on into the five-step rule. It's the acute management of acute attacks of asthma where you would take your inhaler. For children, they take six puffs of their inhaler using a spacer over a period of 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then for teenagers or adults, then it's ten puffs of their inhaler over ten minutes through their space or device. And I presume, Ruth, do the
2: teachers know? I presume the school are aware of of which children in their care have asthma.
0: Well, yes, you would. Hopefully, they do. Um, I know in normal times they would. You know, parents would fill out medical forms for school anyway. Mm-hmm. They should have it on their record. And if they don't, if the school doesn't have it, it's, it's you know up to the parent really to make sure that the school is aware that their child has asthma right right so, so make sure that you just make sure they contact the school and it's also useful to contact the school as well just to check what policies are going to be in place with COVID and that as well mm. Mm. and how do you I mean
2: I myself find it very difficult to remember you know medications and stuff so how do you remind children I mean what's the youngest age a child would present with asthma
0: um, you can be diagnosed with asthma anytime after the age of two. Really? Gosh. Yeah. So, um, and you know, most my experience is most children are great at managing their asthma and sometimes they even tell their parents to take their inhalers, you know, like <laughs> they are really good. Okay. And once they know, I mean, most inhalers are taken twice a day, every day. Right. So it's just a matter of getting it into a habit of taking it, like every morning with your breakfast, you take it. And then last thing at night, then when you are brushing your teeth, you take it. Okay. You know, it's just, just, it's trying to just tie it in with different things like that so you remember to do it.
2: Right. So, so children are, are
0: generally good at it. Yeah,
2: they great. are indeed. Yeah, great. Yeah. Okay, so it's the adults. It's the adults who need who need some re-education. Okay, so so um, the, tell me some more about the the action plan. Then you
0: you say encourage your children to wash their hands regularly. Yes, indeed. Yeah, in terms of just to be very COVID aware and keep on top of things. So obviously be aware of the COVID symptoms and any change. So obviously if a child is presenting or wakes up some morning and they have a COVID symptom or two of the five COVID symptoms, it's important that that child maybe wouldn't go to school that day and you inform the school. and then obviously the usual hand hygiene and hand washing is really important. And children are really good at this because usually if they're told they have to do it, they will do it. Um, and there will be lots of sanitizer available in schools to facilitate that. So even when a child goes outside on their break, they'll be sanitising their hands and they come back in again. Their tables are being washed down and cleaned down in between breaks and that as well by the teachers. mm mm-hmm. um, also as well, just again, if your child has a cold and they're sneezing a lot and coughing a lot, just make sure that they have lots of tissues with them and they know to dispose of them in the bin. Um, yeah, I don't mean to be graphic, Ruth, but but we've all seen children with runny
2: noses that, that, that yeah. they quite seem to be quite comfortable with, with guns hanging out of <laughs> their nose and then forgetting
0: to wipe it. <laughs> <laughs> True, yes, yes. So it's just, again, to educate and encourage children if they have runny noses, they have to use their tissues and um, and wash their hands after using the tissue as well when yeah. they have binned it. Is really important
2: also as well. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. It's, I think it's sort of reminding them to wipe their nose. They might be good at their inhalers but reminding them to wipe their nose might be a different matter. Yes, and uh, not to be using their sleeve to do it yeah, either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there. Um, okay, and and you you say as well that we've heard, heard as well on the news that children will be in their own little pods or their own little bubbles. So yeah. so there will be some segregation within a classroom anyway.
0: That's correct, yes. I mean, each classroom will be considered a bubble mm-hmm. um, or each class will be considered a bubble and within that bubble, then there will be smaller pods then where children, those children will work together continuously um, and there will there will be a metre between each pod as well. So, um, you know, so they'll, they'll be with the same children from Monday to Friday and probably even for every single week as well. Right, okay. And then, and then remember, then at the secondary school level, the social distancing then is one metre and where that can't be maintained, they will be asked to wear their face masks. Right. And have
2: you any idea, Ruth, how seriously children and young people are taking this? I mean, I know young people have got a bad rap in the yeah. media over the last couple of weeks. But have you any any kind of, uh, do you do any kind of surveys or anything to, to see what, what the feedback is with children?
0: No, no, we haven't done any or anything like that or even with young people either. But yes, and you're right in that young people have got a rap and mm. maybe in some situations rightly so. But in the majority of cases, though, so, you know, a lot of young people are doing what they should be doing and wearing their masks and being responsible. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and then you say about public transport again, you know, they're, they're, we're all... Um, I suppose we're obliged now to wear masks in every public space. I mean, even here in the radio station, um, we yeah. wear masks around each other. So, um, I suppose on the on the bus or on the school bus, um, they're going to have to wear their
0: masks, regardless. They are indeed, and um, well, certainly teenagers will. Mm. Um, so, again, the recommendations are that if you can drive, walk, or cycle to school, that's the best way to go. But if mm-hmm. you do have to use public transport, then it's important, then you know, that you maybe sit beside a sibling from your own household or a person from your own household on the way to school and if that's not practical or possible then if you sit beside the same person all the time so the idea is actually to limit the number of people that you're in close contact with okay and uh, is there an issue around
2: um claustrophobia with 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 people with asthma with with masks and there is a
0: little bit of one now i mean basically most people with lung conditions can safely wear a face mask Mm. and there are ways that you can actually adapt to using one like none of us find them that comfortable and particularly when it's so warm and humid at the moment it is very difficult to wear them for us all so um you know even when you're sitting at home kind of nice and relaxed when you're sitting watching the television put on your mask for 15 or 20 minutes and just get used to it when you're nice and relaxed watching whatever your favorite program is Mm. then just if you get up then i'll walk around the house a little bit um inside And then if you're still comfortable wearing your mask, then just go outside and walk around outside with it. And then if you're still comfortable and you have no issues with your breathing, then after doing all of that, you'll be okay. then to wear them in public transport or in shops or wherever you have to wear it.
2: Right. So so it's a good idea. I was talking to the lady from Autism Ireland a little bit about training the dogs a second ago. So it's a similar process. You train yourself at home without distractions
0: and without stresses. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then if you, you know, obviously, and the end, ultimately there may be some people that will not be able to wear a mask. So obviously, a visor is another option. The other thing is actually to try out different masks because my experience with talking to people with asthma, some people can wear the disposable one no problem, but they mm-hmm. can't wear the cotton one, and vice versa, they can wear the cotton one but they can't wear the disposable one. So it's a matter, you know, it is a matter of trial and error with a few different masks, maybe to find the one that you will be able to wear. Right, and there's no there's no particular brand or anything as yet. Sure, there no.
2: isn't. There's no kind of um, there there isn't um, you know like an ISO standard or anything for masks.
0: Is at it? the mom- at the moment, there isn't. No, there isn't. Now, that may come in down the line, but uh, certainly yes, there's no kind of see. C- marker and stuff on them at the moment, yeah uh, Yeah, they seem to be a little bit
2: behind the curve on that one, don't they? Yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I suppose when, when there is one um, it, you know, you can recommend what, what exactly, mask to wear for yeah. asthma sufferers. So, yeah. so is there anything else you would like to tell us about Ruth, before I let you go? I know you've got a meeting
0: to go to. Um no, as I say, just prepare yourself and talk to the teachers in the school, talk to the schools, you know, and just make yourself, make it, you know, make sure that they are aware that your child has asthma. Mm-hmm. As I said, the most important thing at this time of the year is to get the asthma really well controlled and under control. And for some children, that may mean increasing their preventative or control medication for September and October time. So if that's the case, then if, if you know your child... Generally, their asthma worsens in September, October, time. It is worth talking to your GP about increasing their controller medication for those couple of months. Okay. And then uh, the other thing, then that's coming out now in September, will be the flu vaccine, of which course, will be yeah. offered to all children from two to twelve. Oh right. To charge. Okay. Um, regardless of whether they have asthma or not, um, it more than likely will be a nasal vaccine. And then for children then in, in the older age groups, then from twelve upwards, you know, teenagers and that, we would advise people that have a chronic illness then that they should get it such as asthma that they should get their flu jab as well. Right okay and if anybody
2: would like further advice they can contact you on the advice line and you also have a whatsapp service.
0: That's correct yeah, yeah our, our advice line number is 1800 and our whatsapp service number is 086 and you can get those numbers on our website as well. Okay and the website
2: is, is what? Asthma.ie, just asthma.ie, and there's yep. loads. Of, there's loads of information and and good, sound, free information there. Um, yes. And again, just to reiterate, to perhaps try and get the flu vaccine, which is free of charge, for children ages between two and twelve. Yeah, exactly. Oh, great, great. Well, thank you for your time today, Ruth. thank
3: you very much uh, no
2: doubt we'll be talking to you again take take care thank you (laughs) thank you and that was Ruth Marrow there from the Asthma Society of Ireland and uh, we're going to take our second commercial break now and we'll be back after these
0: we are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM
2: You are listening to Kilkenny today with myself, Samantha Rawson, and you heard me there before the break talking to Ruth Marrow from the Asthma Society about children returning to school. And uh, on that uh, theme, we have Damien White, who is president of the IPPN, which is the Irish Primary School Principals Network. And he spoke to Deirdre Hunt of Athlone Community Radio about the process of trying to get solutions to enable primary school children for their safe return to school
5: as president of IPPN uh, I'm out of school uh, seconded for two years but I know that my own school which is uh, a school called Killy National School just outside Tullamore they coped very very well and put incredible stuff in place really there were changes that came about or came into schools really that it would take five or six years normally to, to bring in and uh, like, a lot of it was done within a month because people had to find new and innovative ways of teaching remotely of teaching uh, getting information out there of supporting children. People got involved with the internet, of course, depending on the quality of your reception and so on, and the availability of devices was a huge tool in this. My own school and many other schools would use Padlets and uh, Seesaw and other ways of communicating with children. I, I was talking to a friend of mine last night uh, who was principal of a school of singular size near Tullamore. He had done the sums up and his teachers had... Uh, had 36,000 interactions with children, uh, they had 36,000 correct pieces of correction and stuff like that, Do you know, different items were corrected in that time. We had a whole lot of stats on just how much interaction there was and it was, it was significant. And what it has done, I think, and what I think we can look at in the future, It's certainly uh, how schools will operate has been moved on, if you like, significantly. We hope to get back to what we would have regarded as normal in school uh, uh, in September as close as we can to it. But there are things that have been learned and new ways of doing things which have developed, which in time I think will become derogate for schools. Meetings using technology, using WebEx or Zoom or some of these methods, there's going to be a lot more of that. I think that there are that the capacity for giving lessons is going to be is going, is going to be changed. Webinar type lessons, you know, where. Uh, if you look at it Joe Wicks has become a sensation on television delivering the PE curriculum now you yes. never have thought that PE could be delivered uh, across the internet but county teams and everywhere else have been using uh, stuff like this now you know so you can see where things will will develop and change I, I can foresee that a lot of lessons uh, you know that will be backed up with webinar type instruction I mean if you're trying to teach long division let's just take it back to something very basic you're trying to teach long division And you still, you know, (laughs) a child is jumping at it. But if you you go on the internet now, you'll find how to do long division, and somebody will explain it on a webinar or will have it recorded somewhere, and a child can look at it at home as well. So you can see where this might just go. The changes are going to be quite revolutionary, even in my own job. My job was going around the country meeting principals and meeting principals groups and sometimes it was hard to get people together because people are so busy in their schools. We call a meeting now in about the principals, let's say, in, at Lohan and you'll have 30 or 40 principals, we usually call it through the education centre, through Stephanie Keaton who does a fantastic job up in the education centre. And Pat Canty and people like that. We have 30 people there on an the evening or 30 the following evening and you have a meeting, it's 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 done and dusted in an hour. You can fit in more meetings in a day if you want to than you would have normally done. I can see huge changes coming on the strength and on the back of this crisis, you know, that I think that and some of those changes will be for the good and have to maybe move on things a little bit. So, as I said, never waste a good price. So I suppose is probably the moral of the story, really.
3: Yes, and Damien, they're talking now in September, going back to school, that the children can't go for the five days from, we'd say, 9.30 to 3 o'clock. So do you know at the moment, I know it's only the end of June, what do you think it will be like in September? Will all children be able to come back together, or do you see that in the future? I think that is
5: is that that is the solid ambition of everybody, is that we get back to school, that everybody gets back to school. Now, to what degree there won't have to be distancing measures in place, to what degree people have talked, and uh, as I said, it hasn't, uh, has, hasn't been properly fleshed out yet, but uh, the idea of cards like what uh, has been suggested uh, uh, It will be in place for uh, preschool crash facilities. We don't uh, fully know, but what the Minister laid out there last Friday week in a circular was what will happen if you have two metre distancing, what would happen if you have one metre distancing, and what the preferred option is. You know, the two metre distancing would effectively mean that a child would attend one day out of five, which would be massively unacceptable and not, not of great use to anybody. So I think that that's... But As things stand, that would be the, the, uh, and until we hear more, that would be what what would transpire. If it was one metre, they have worked it out that it would mean that children would attend approximately two and a half days a week. And if it is more, if uh, the, the, the preferred option was outlined in that circular, and it was a situation where all children would be able to attend school, that there would be cleaning regimes in place, that there would be appropriate PPE as necessary, that there would be, in terms of playing and movements and so on, that the classes would, a class would stick to themselves, basically, that the class would be staggered breaks, possibly, all of that, it hasn't been fleshed out, but we, <laughs> we, we do need that information what is going to happen, and we do need it very quickly because uh, it's like trying to drive a car at the moment without a steering wheel, you know, that uh, you can see at the end of uh, June uh, that principals and school leaders are really, really crying out for information around going back to school. We thought we'd have it this week. We thought we'd have clearer guidelines. We still expect that we might have it. A week is a long time at the moment in, in this whole process
3: Yes, and Damien, does the Department of Education and Skills and the Minister Joe McHugh do they actually engage with the school principals like yourself for year your input, or are they just telling you the guidelines? Uh,
5: to be fair, uh, the department are working. The department are working extremely hard as well and the department, we as education partners have been working as closely as is possible with the, the minister and with his uh, officials and we would have very, very close ties with uh, the INTO and with the management bodies uh, who are represented in this case by the CPSM, the Catholic Primary School of managers who represent over 90% of the schools but they're representing all of the, the management bodies at all negotiations. We in there supplying all the vital information that we can the other organizations are as well we're trying to progress each element uh, you know uh, those that we have in common and those that are specific to our own organizations and so on as much as we can as hard as we can trying to get answers to questions that are uh, uh, and to be fair to the department it's the first time they've had to deal with a lot of this as well so solutions are being sought and uh, as I said, pressure is on to try and get something out as quickly as is possible now because this is the last week and it's, 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 it's unacceptable it has taken so long but we're involved in the process of trying to get solutions. We're bringing solutions to the table trying to make sure that they can be if they can be costed and gotten through and so on. It's fair to say that we would have a good working relationship with the department. We're very, very hopeful that it won't be the case that uh, children will be coming for less than a full cohort of days. Okay. Um, but um, if, if it would be entirely unsatisfactory because uh, you'd also have, it would present massive challenges around blended learning, blended being a mixture of home and school-based learning, which teachers are already absolutely worked to the bone. This would be a bridge too far. It would have massive staffing implications, I would say. So we're hopeful, I would be strongly hopeful that if the trajectory COVID-19, which has been a horrific experience across Ireland and the world, but I think that nationally it has seemed to have been dealt with uh, quite well by authorities and that numbers have reduced drastically and as long as there's not a relapse or a kickback, another episode of it that breaks out, I would expect that by come September we would be back to some degree of normality, at least where all children attend school. As I say, some of the other points will have to be worked out, but that would be my hope anyway, and I think the hope everybody in education we'd be back to full time.
1: How to safely wear a face covering. Wash your hands well with soap and water before putting it on. Without touching the front, put it on so that it covers your nose and mouth. It should go right over your nose and the bottom of your chin. Hook or tie the covering straps so that it fits closely and well to your face. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth at all times. Take the covering off from behind. Store it in a plastic bag until it can be washed. Once it is off, wash your hands well with soap and water. This is very important. Wash your covering regularly with normal detergent in a normal wash. Don't forget, a face covering may help prevent people who do not know they have the virus from spreading it to others. It is not a replacement for washing your hands or keeping the 2 meter distance. Some of us are worried about getting back out and about, and maybe even a little unsteady on our feet. Start with a small walk. The fresh air will really do you good. We're in this together. For more advice, see gov.ie slash together, an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Community Radio, Kilkenny City. The voice of the Marble City.
2: You are listening to Kilkenny today with myself, Samantha Rawson. Now, this Sunday, as part of Water Heritage Week, people can celebrate the water by uh, taking part in events on the two majestic rivers that flow through the county. The day will be marked with special events on the River Nore in Kilkenny City and in the River Barrow, or on the River Barrow in Craignamanna, to celebrate the wonderful natural heritage that is our lives of rivers and lakes. Now Nilauna I beg your pardon, Aina, ni Nilauna of, uh, Mooney Goes Wild fame, I suppose, uh, will be leading a walk along the banks of the Barrow. The walk will commence at half one on Sunday, leaving the boathouse in Craignamara, Craignamana. The walk will take a different route to other years and will go upriver from Craignamana where walkers will see the trees and flowers that grow on the water's edge. And they will also encounter the special river insects, such as damselflies and dragonflies, that live and depend on the clean waters of the Barrow. And also uh, Cliff Reed, who we'll be talking to now in just a little bit. Cliff Reed is also uh, running boat tours on the River Noor, and they will also be taking place this Sunday. So to tell us more about this, we have Cliff on the line. Hello, Cliff.
4: How oh, are you, yes, Santa? How's things?
2: I am grand, thanks, and thanks for joining us. Uh, what a lovely way to spend a Sunday afternoon—going on a boat trip down the River Nore. Uh,
4: there's there's worse things you could be doing, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. <All right>. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 look, you, River Nore is a beautiful asset. Um, not only to county Kilkenny but the whole of the Lent, the region, to be honest about it um and it's there's nothing as nice as getting out on a on a fine sunny day um and especially in the morning, I find the mornings are nicest uh, on the river and just a beautiful location there within the city of Kilkenny itself mm. so um this weekend, as you were saying, there's a couple of free trips we're running in conjunction with the community uh waters, the water uh, community office there um and feeling there from the Amane is the community water's officer out there, and uh, she's organising it as part of World Water Heritage Day. So, if um, any of your listeners out there want to come along and have a free boat trip there on uh, Sunday morning, yeah, just to maybe give us a text or give <clears> us a call. Um, you mind if I give up the phone number there, maybe? Yeah, no, not at all. And, uh, yeah, work away. It's uh 0872061999. That number again, 087. 087- 2061999
2: And where and, uh, where does the trip yes. go from Cliff? Where do you start from and where do you go to? Yeah.
4: So what we do is we'll take them on at, uh, people onto the slipway there under the castle at the uh, castle where they in the centre of the, the city um, but if anyone contacts us there to reserve spaces um, I'll actually send them a Google map location to the actual spot itself so you won't get lost And um, there's a boat slip there if people are familiar with Canal Walk there's a boat that's boat halfway down along Canal Walk there, and we'll take you on there and bring you up the river for approximately half an hour to 40 minutes. And we'll give you a tour of the the River Noor and Kilkenny from, from the water level. Um, but be sure, if you're coming out with us, to bring a camera because you'll get some fantastic views of the city from, from the water. You'll see it as all the settlers and all the raiders that ever entered, entered the city of Kilkenny did um, coming in on boats. So,
2: in, yeah, um, indeed. I suppose that that, that Kilkenny is a medieval city, so so you get a, a little trip back into history.
4: Definitely, and you know, there's a lot of history there with with regards to the rivers, because all the trade of the southeast uh, went out through either the bar of the north or the shore. Um, so you know, you had all these settlements and towns set up all along all the rivers, and it's all as from the beginning of people entering the island of Ireland when it was covered in forestry. Mm and um, people settled and traveled along by the rivers. These were the highways, these were the motorways, the roads. Yeah. So everything moved on it. So it's nice to get out and appreciate that as part of our heritage, too, because we often, especially in modern times, we lose the connect that we used to have with, with the water system and the rivers and stuff.
2: Yeah. Um,
4: and it's it's nice to get back to it. it is.
2: And then, how how did you get involved with this, Cliff? How did you obviously ru- run this as a living? Obviously, you're you're doing it free for a part of uh, Heritage Water Heritage Week, but this is how you make your living, is it?
4: That's exactly it. Yeah, we run the company BoatTrips.ie, uh, and we do boat trips on the River Barrow, uh, the the River Nore, and the Grand Canal in yeah. Leash, and. Um, that's we do, to be honest about it it'd be straight up but anyone that comes on the boat we, we do it for the love of it um, you don't do yeah. it to make massive money out of it uh, the bonus is being able to pay the mortgage and keep the roof over your head but yeah, Minnesota, we just really enjoy it and you know when people come out and they see the river and the fall into how relaxing it is it's easy to understand why, you, why you'd want to do it for a living
2: right honest. and then uh, how did you actually get involved how, how did it start for you
4: um, well, I was always on the river, uh, ever since I was 14 years of age when I learned to kayak and canoe. I bought my first boat at 16 years of age, and then for the last 6-7 years, um, I had been working in different jobs in offices and stuff, for hmm. about 6 years then I got, fell in with a, a company called Go With The Flow River Adventures.
2: That's a great name. In,
4: yeah, <laughs> a great, a name. great uh, name. A guy called Charlie Horn, um has that company, and he's based down there and Greg the Manor in Right. And I fell in with him for about six years doing kayaking and canoeing, and I just loved the river, so I decided to um, go out on my own and top my own company, and uh, we got a, bought a boat from Killarney and brought it up, and we decided to do start doing tours in on the river Barrow first in County Carlow, and then we moved into Kilkenny here last year, and uh, it was fairly successful there in Kilkenny. And, of course, this year, obviously, is a wipeout for everyone. There's no mm. there's no two ways about that. But we're back going now about two weeks in the city. Right. We're running tours up and down there seven days a week.
2: Great. And how's it going for you?
4: It's going well. We're getting a lot of people uh, staying at home. They don't have to stay caged, mm. um, which is good. Uh, we're getting a lot of people, surprisingly, um, day-trippers coming up from Cork in particular, of all the counties, right. whatever's going on down in Cork. Yeah. Um, we have a massive amount of people travelling up just for the one day and they want to do something. Mm. They're tired, a lot of people are tired of uh, the wild Atlantic way. Right. Um, and all the normal touristy hotspots, you know, mm. and even the Dublin people coming down to the city there, I noticed talking to them when they're on the boat, that they're tired of going down to Wexford, or down to the coast, down to the beaches, down to core towns yeah. and Tremors and places like this. And they want to go in and discover some of the counties that they normally wouldn't visit as such, you know? Right. So. Um, yeah, we're getting a lot from Cork and a lot from Dublin coming in. I uh, had people from Galway. I had people arriving here, uh, came down from Matanrai just to do the boat trip in the city. Great. And
5: we're turning around
4: and going back to Matanrai. I couldn't believe it when, oh. and, when they told me. Um, I had seen it on Nationwide. We were on Nationwide two weeks ago.
2: Oh, fabulous. Okay.
4: Yeah, so that caused great exposure. Yeah. And um, they, they, they got in the car from Rye and drove. And I said, do you not think it's. You know, it's a very long drive to come for a small little boat trip yeah. on the river, you know. Um, but they said that um, they enjoyed the programme on TV, but was a day out for them to drive across yeah. the country?
2: But your and people get people on planes, don't. Cliff, and, and, and fly exactly. across the Europe to, to go and see dolphins and stuff, so. I
4: suppose, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, well, that's it. But we're finding a lot of that. There was a lady on last week, and she had a fantastic idea. Um, she had a 12-year-old son. Mm-hmm. What they were doing was they were traveling, picking a different county, one county a week, mm-hmm. and they were traveling around Ireland and doing two things in that county. And then they travel home so they would right. each day. You yeah, know, I thought it was a great yeah. idea. They were going to see the whole 32 counties of Ireland. Brilliant. She had done all the counties down this end, and she said her next step was they were staying overnight in County Loud. And we were yeah. going to do a couple of counties from there then.
2: Yeah and and how many people can can be on the boat on sunday then i mean is it the same boat yeah. that you use for for your commercial tours and the the same boat you're using yeah. on sunday
4: yeah so we it's the same boat we're using uh, this year because of the covid we ha- we've had to have, make some changes so mm. this year it's family only trips that we normally run Okay. Um, I, the department of marine are kind of you know we were talking with them trying to find the best guidelines keep everyone safe you know we're doing all the disinfectant and we're washing down the life jackets and every night we allocate life jackets for the following day right and disinfecting and stuff so on sunday what we're doing is because we have to mix people we're only limited to six people per boat okay Um. now you're allowed to book two places only so you can't book for six people or whatever yeah. your family you know we're trying to share it out to as many people as possible and give people a taste of what the what the river is like and what the the trip is like
2: yeah Okay. Um,
4: and introduce them to it so it's two one person can ring up and book two spaces basically but we're only putting six on a boat so everyone can be socially distanced on the boat okay um, and that's that's the plan but we have four trips uh, going one at 10 o'clock one at 11 one at 12 and one at one o'clock okay so if people want to contact and your listeners want to contact us and reserve a spot that's no problem at all
2: okay brilliant idea and and very good of you to offer it um offer it to the people of Kilkenny and and uh, the community i suppose
4: yeah well it's it's a community uh, waters office as well there and and feeling um in particular and she does a lot of work there with the um the the waterways and, and promotion of the waterways and development of the waterways and mm. getting across the, mes- the message to keep our waterways clean um like it, in fairness to Kilkenny it's immaculate down there. Yeah. The, the river is, it's, it's, you know, there's never an ounce of litter in it, hardly, yeah. when you compare it to other waterways and stuff.
2: Well, probably that's um, why the Cork people are coming up, Cliff, because I think the River Lee doesn't have a great reputation, does it?
4: it well, when you get into the bigger... Exactly. You know, the mm. like to the River Lee, when you get into bigger cities and stuff mm. like that, and Dublin and the Liffey, and, you know, the Liffey, it's not a great river to be in at all, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, there's a fierce amount of pollution goes into it. Um, and some of the water... Systems we have around the around the island of Ireland to have a long way to go in being brought back to the state that should be in, the, the clean, pristine state that should be kept. Like, there's towns like Arklo there, and it's just the whole sewage system for the town of Arklo goes straight into the local river and yeah. out to the sea. Okay. And well, it's on trees, you well, know, and that's been a kay. political.
2: Yeah, well, for a long time I sp- there. I know? suppose that's another day's conversation. We won't conversation, be- <laughs> yeah, yeah. we won't get into that yeah, one. Perfect. So so best of luck on Sunday. Um, I'll just read out that, yeah. that number again if anybody would like to get in touch with you for the free boat trips taking place this Sunday. It's 87 treble nine. Perfect.
4: That's Great. It, that's it, exactly. Um, okay. Just send us a text or give me a ring and uh, we'll, we'll put you in there. Okay, okay, thanks a lot, Cliff. Best of luck. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thank care you. Lot. Take Talk care. Bye-bye.
2: And that was Cliff Reed there talking about the boat trips taking place this Sunday, free of charge, all part of Water Heritage Day and week indeed. And as he as he mentioned there, thanks to Anne Phelan and all the work she does there for, for the waterways on the River Noor and the River Barrow. So that is my lot for this evening. Thanks to Anne Olin for producing today's programme. Until next Wednesday, this is Samantha Say a very good evening to you.
0: We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.